Hi, I'm Michael Sunoff, founder and CEO of HardToFindSeminars.com. For the last five years, I've interviewed the world's best business and marketing minds. Along the way, I've created a successful publishing business, all from home, from my two-car garage. When my first child was born, he was very sick, and it was then that I knew I had to have a business that I could operate from home. Now my challenge is to build the world's largest free resource for online downloadable MP3 audio business interviews. I knew I needed a site that contained strategies, solutions, and inside angles to help you live better, to save and make more money, to stay healthier, and to get more out of life. I've learned a lot in the last five years, and today I'm going to show you the skills you need to survive. Hi, it's Michael Senoff with Michael Senoff, HardToFindSeminars.com. The title of this interview is, If You Need Money Right Now, Here's How to Get It. Here's 10 money-making strategies that will work in today's economy. Even if you think you've heard every money-making idea in the book, you'll probably want to give this interview a listen. You'll hear creative strategies that will not only get you through today, but will also give you ideas for residual income to get you through tomorrow as well. But the best part about this interview is that it's geared towards today's life with practical yet innovative ideas for both offline and online. And you can get started right away with little or no money. Meet the money-making expert. He says he's always been the type of person who looks for ways to make money. And in this interview, you'll hear many of his best money-making ideas, including the right way to make money on eBay, what sells, what doesn't, and how to find the best stuff to sell, a way to make serious money just by recycling your neighbor's unwanted magazines, how to use ClickBank and affiliate programs to make residual money with little effort, how to get started selling e-books for Amazon Kindle. Believe it or not, you don't need anything special to get going. A clever trick that could get you residual affiliate money without doing anything but signing up. Great internet and offline sites to get the kind of deals that power sellers get and much, much more. If you're like most people, you dream about making boodles of money. That dream may get you through life, but according to the money-making expert, it could also be the very thing holding you back from making any real money. If you're so afraid of losing your dream that you never even try, you'll never fail, but you will also never succeed. It takes courage to go from listening to a money-making idea to implementing one, and in this interview, you'll hear all the practical steps necessary to get started living your dream today. This interview is 50 minutes. You can do it, and I believe in you. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to moneymakingexpertoffer.com. How did you get into all this? Are you the type of guy who always have your eyes open for making easy money, fast always, money? Always, always. Were you like that as a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you make money as a kid? Did you ever do newspapers or anything? No, but what I did was I'd do stuff at school. You know, I'd sell the cinnamon toothpicks. Yeah, see, I did that. Oh, did you? I sure did, yeah. Yeah, my mom and I, when I was a kid, we raised dogs and we'd sell the puppies. And, you know, just basically yard sales, any way to make a little bit of money. I, I grew up poor. You did. How poor were you? We were so poor we couldn't pay attention. <laughs> That's a poor joke, huh? <laughs> so poor you couldn't pay attention. That's funny. Okay, so you grew up poor. Did you have brothers and sisters, a big family? I've got three brothers and a sister. I didn't grow up with a lot of money, but I was motivated to make my own money, so I think a lot of it stems from those early days, you know? Oh, yeah. I had my first real business at 19. What was it? 
video arcade. You owned a video arcade? I owned a video arcade at 19. Did you buy it from someone or start it? I started it. And how old are you? I'm 46 now. But started it with a friend of mine. I had my first real business at the age of 19 and my first business failure at the age of 19 and a half. <laughs> and that was a video arcade? Oh, yeah. But I tell you what, though, it cost me probably around $10,000 total. I ended up losing in that business. But I wouldn't take that back for anything in the world. That was the best education I've ever got in my life. How did you come about starting that business? At that time, I had finished one year of college, and I'm just not the college type guy. It was too boring to me. It was just I wanted to do something. I wanted to make some money. So during the summer, I got with a friend of mine, and we both loved video games, 1981. So right in the middle of the video game craze. And so we thought it would be a great time to open up a video arcade in a town of about 10,000 people that already had three of them. So we thought that we knew more than everybody else, and we didn't. But we didn't know that. Yeah, we opened it up, and we did everything wrong. The first mistake we made was getting the machines from what turned out to be basically the mafia. And they really put the screws to us. To these 19-year-old kids? Yes. I'm sure you leased them, and you probably had to give them most of the quarters or something. Well, it was even worse than that. I mean, usually with a deal like that, you split it. You split 50-50. With this deal, we had to pay them a certain amount regardless and then after that, we split 50-50. Oh, really? Yeah. And how did you find these guys? The guy I went into business with, he's the one that found them. So I'm not sure exactly how that came about. I can't remember. That's been a few years ago. Yeah, I'm sure. All right, that's good. Well, sometimes we do learn good learning experience from our mistakes. What was your second business after that? Well, I went into the restaurant business. I was a manager and eventually part owner. You know what the definition of a restaurant manager is? What is that? You get to flip hamburgers while you have a tie on. <laughs> That's right. As an owner of a restaurant, you get to flip hamburgers with a tie on and you don't get paid for it. <laughs> there you go. What kind of restaurant was it? Like a country cooking style restaurant. And did you start it? I started off as a manager and then eventually worked my way up to where I was the co-owner, the general manager and the co-owner. How long did you do that for? Uh, about seven years. Well, that's a long time. Yeah. What do you think about the restaurant business? Would you like to go back into it? No. It's a hard, hard business. What do you think makes it so hard from the perspective of being an owner? There's just so many things. Having to deal with so many employees. Because if you're going to be in the restaurant business, you're going to have employees. There's going to be a lot of employees. If you're going to be successful at it. I just can't stand anything where I can't do everything myself if I need to. In the restaurant business, you physically can't do it. The profit margins are just ridiculously low in the restaurant business. A lot of government regulations. A lot of things that are just out of your control. Okay. So you're probably around 26 by the time you got out of that. What would you do next? Actually, I was 30. Oh, you were 30. Uh, okay. After the arcade failure, I went back to college and ended up getting an associate's degree. After the restaurant business, I piddled around for a while and didn't do anything. And then after I ran out of money, actually, I'd run out of money long before that after I ran out of balances on my credit cards, I then got a job working in a bank, what used to be First Union Bank. And eventually became a programmer and then became a business analyst for them. Did you have a family at that time? No. You're still single. Okay. And so how do you like that bank job? Actually, I loved it. You did? Yep. Great job. A lot of good people worked in it, and I learned a lot. That's really where I learned how to program. When I went to college, I went to college to be a computer programmer. But I didn't really learn anything. Because what they were teaching us in college was COBOL and FORTRAN. And those were practically dead by the time I got out of college. So, yeah, on the job, I learned how to program, and that was a great learning experience. So the stuff you learned as a programmer, is any of that relevant today? About the only thing that's relevant is the logic. 
because pretty much programming any language, you know, logic is the same. But for that to work, though, you've got to have the right mindset. You know, I think programmers aren't made, they're born. You have to have a mind of a programmer to be able to do it. All right, what happened after that? Well, then I got out of the banking business because basically I kind of saw the end of that era coming. We were doing really well, making a lot of money, but I could see on the horizon there were some bad things coming along. So I got a job working at a small software company here in Charlotte. They do software for the convenience store industry, and I worked there for about two years. Doing the programming? Programming, yeah. Did you at that time ever want to get into the sales? I mean, you were earning a salary, I'm sure. Well, yeah. I started doing stuff on the Internet while I was at the bank. Probably around 96, I started piddling around on the Internet, making a little bit of money here and there, not doing anything much, just figuring stuff out. By the time I left the bank, I was making, I don't know, 1000 maybe $1,500 a month from Internet stuff. And it wasn't just one thing. It was you know, several different little things. Then when I worked at the small software company, I had been there for about a year, and that's when I got really serious about the Internet. And I started really trying to figure out how to make it work. And by the time I left that company, I was already making almost as much from the Internet as I was from the company. Really? What success were you experiencing during that time on the Internet? Selling info products. Okay. Do you remember your very first sale or like your very first big success on the Internet? The very first big success, and like I said, I've been doing some little things for years before. The very first big success was January the 13th of 2002. That was a Sunday. I got this on my blog that you can read. It's an interesting story because I've been working on this product for about 10 years. Okay, what was the product? The product was called Underground Business Ideas. And the idea for that book came about because I bought a book very similar to it, a printed book, that was supposed to be a 1,001 business idea. Isn't there a famous guy who did this for years, George Shalings or something? This guy's name was Steven something or another. Okay, I've never heard of it. It was 101 unusual business ideas, something yeah. to that effect. And the book itself was just garbage. And I had bought this book back in the early 90s. And I thought, wow, I could really do something that's a lot better than this. This is even before the Internet. So I started working on this thing back in the early 90s, just piddling around with it, you know, a little work here, a little work there. And by 2002, I had compiled quite a collection of these business ideas. And you were just, like, keeping them in a notebook? Yeah, on my computer. And I wouldn't work on it for three or four months. And then I might work on it on one weekend. Really what I was trying to do is I was trying to create the perfect product, which is really what you don't want to do because the product will never be perfect. So I got serious about the Internet right around the end of 2001. And so I decided, go ahead and put this book out there. I created a PDF file out of it. And I had a small list of maybe, I can't remember now how many, but a couple of thousand names, I guess. And how many ideas did you have in your PDF at that time? Probably a hundred or more. Okay, a hundred good money-making ideas. Yeah, right. So I had this list of people that I sent them a free sampling of this book. What was the free sample? Actually, the free sampling was 101 computer business ideas, or it might have been 101 online business ideas, something to that effect. You did that through an email blast? How did you sample it? Because that's important. How did you sample it before you tried to sell the main collection? What I did was post it in forums, and I would leave my signature, the SIG line, and it was just, here are 101 Internet business ideas. Download this free email. I was doing that for a couple of years before. So I was just collecting all these email addresses and not doing anything with them. They were just sitting there in an autoresponder. Half the names were, you know, two years old at least. 
So one day I just decided I'm going to throw this thing out there and see what happens. That was on January the 13th, 2002. That's pretty good. Even back then, you were keeping those email addresses in an autoresponder. Yeah. I started collecting them, but I wasn't doing anything with them. So you're sitting on your list, which is your most valuable asset. I had no idea that that was my most valuable. I had no idea back then. All right. So what was your idea? You were going to do what? So I created this book. I finally went ahead and put the finishing touches on this thing. It wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. And I sent an email out to my list. And basically, what did it say? It said, I've been working on my masterpiece for 10 years now. It's finally finished. It's ever how many business ideas it was. I can't remember now. Oh, I did. I've been working on this masterpiece for 10 years. That's powerful right there. Here are some of the ideas. And I made a bullet list with teaser copy. You know, I've still got the email. I can actually send you a copy of it. So I kept that because, you know, that was the major moment in my life. So I sent this thing out. How much was the book? I sold it for $14.99 back then. And I sent it out, and I was scared to death. What were you scared of? I was scared that it would fail. And I think this is a mindset that a lot of people have. You have this dream that you're going to be able to quit your job and work on the Internet and make a bunch of money. That's a dream that a lot of people have. Now, that dream sort of keeps you going. Even if you're not doing anything, that dream you have in the back of your mind is, okay, one day I'm going to do this. Okay, when you finally do something, at that moment, you realize that if that doesn't work, your dream is gone. Yeah, that is a good point. I was absolutely terrified when I hit that send button. Because you've been dreaming about this for years. Yeah, yeah. So I went to the park with my girlfriend and our dogs, and we spent like three hours at the park. So I had no idea if I had any sales come in at all. And you didn't even want to know. Because you didn't want to face that reality. I didn't want to face it, no. We get home. I go check my computer, and I had probably 50 orders came in while I was at the park. And that's the moment that I knew that I could do this. That's a very important moment to have because when you have that moment when you, in your gut, you know you can do it, then you have the courage to do whatever it takes and not worry about quitting your job or where the money's going to come from because you know that from then on that you can do it. That's a great story. That's important, too, and that's so true. You know, people are afraid of their failure, and that's probably what keeps most people from even trying. Yeah, I think so. You know, I've heard people say that people fear failure, people fear success. I think that they really fear losing that dream. You're listening to an exclusive interview found on Michael Sinoff's hardtofindseminars.com. And it's no big deal because that's just one dream. People can have a lot of different dreams, you know? But that's great. That's telling. So 50 orders. At that time, did you have it automated where when the order came in, how were they paying? Like, did you have a shopping cart set up? Yeah, I actually had it set up on ClickBank. Okay, ClickBank, and then automatic delivery. Right. Beautiful. So that was your first success, 50 sales at 15 bucks a pop? Well, that was after the first, you know, three or four hours. And then all told, over the next day, I made over $1,000 from that one email. And mm-hmm. I sent it out again. There you go. See? Right there. That is such an important lesson. Most people, when they send one email out and they have a success, they never even consider to send it out again. And I'm sure you did probably not quite as well, but almost as well. Yeah, almost. And I sent the exact same email out with a little thing at the very top that said, just in case you missed this, here it is again. And that one done almost as good as the first one. And then I sent out another one that you know was a little bit different, and that one done a little bit less. And then I got to thinking, now what? 
All right, before you go to now what, what's the lesson for any listener right there? Because that's one really important thing you did, which a lot of people make a mistake of. And you worked your list because people on the other end of that email, some people don't get it. Some people get it at the wrong time. Explain what's important about sending a successful promotion out multiple times. Yeah, you know what? It's even more important now than it was back then because you're getting less and less people that are opening your emails. And it depends a whole lot on the subject line of your email. So I might send an email today with a subject line and then get a certain number of people to open it. Tomorrow, I send the exact same email to the exact same people with a different subject line and different people open it. And so that's how you work your list. You send it out with a, in case you missed this, here it is again. You might have forgotten to tell them something in the first email. So there's a whole lot of stuff you can do with that. So how far will you push it? I mean, you could have kept going until it just didn't produce anything. You know, now what I do is I typically send out two emails because I have so many different emails to send out, so many different promotions to do, and not just promotions, but also educational type emails to send that I just don't have the space in my schedule to send out more than two. You know, this is my business now. This is what I do. You don't have to, but if you want, can you share how you're doing online financially so you're able to make your full-time living online now? Oh, yeah. I did very well. So after that success, what was your plan then? You only had that one product, one little ClickBank thing. Was it to just duplicate and do more of the same? Yeah, and that's a very interesting way of putting it because what I was thinking at that time is I made this amount of money with this book. And I was thinking then, well, I should be able to do five sales a day from this book. If I put up a bunch of ads, this is before pay-per-click, but, you know, classified ads, if I get some affiliates, However, I could probably sell five of these books a day. Wait, I want to just reverse on one thing. You use that email to promote it, and you send it to ClickBank. But did you put together a sales letter on ClickBank to help drive the sales? No. The only thing I had was the email was actually the entire sales promotion. That would go to a page on the Internet that only had one line that basically said, click here to order. So that was pretty much it. And then, you know, later on, I did put up a sales page. Because you have to do that in order to get affiliates to start promoting. I actually took that email that I sent out. That was my first sales page for the product. So I'm thinking, well, I might be able to get five sales a day from this product. That's how naive I was back then. So I thought, put it to a calculator. Okay, in order to make this amount of money per year, if I'm going to sell five copies of a book, I need to have whatever it was, 20 different books. So I was going to do 20 different books and sell five copies each per day. Well, that's just dumb. And I didn't realize it at the time. Well, why was that dumb? Because I was thinking that I could only sell five copies of that one book a day. Well, an affiliate contacted me, and this was a few months down the road. This was maybe three or four months down the road. And you had some affiliates already selling your money-making so ideas? I had it in ClickBank. So I had a few people that were sending out. But this one particular affiliate. She saw you on ClickBank. Okay. She actually called me up. She hunted my phone number down from who is. Gave me a call. I'll never forget the way she put it. She said, James, I have a list of 50 thousand women who are looking for ways to make some extra money. Would you mind if I sent a link to your website? <laughs> and I thought for it for about a tenth of a second before I said, yes, please do. And she says, and would you mind if I use an affiliate link? And that's what she was getting at. What were you paying your affiliates? Fifty percent. But here's where she was getting at, though. She said, all right. She said, now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take your sales letter and I'd like to rewrite it a little bit and soften it up for my market. And basically what she was getting at was that I had written the sales letter for men. I never imagined that a woman would buy this. Her audience was almost completely female. So she took my sales letter and she softened it up, put some nice images on it. And that's actually the sales letter I use for that product today. Okay, I got to know. What happened? Well, she sent out to her list and 
Wow. In one month, we probably sold, just to her list, probably a 1,000 copies. Wow. That's exciting. Did she promote it more than once? Yeah, she continued to promote it for years. And then from that, also, other affiliates picked up because she had people on her list that were also ClickBank affiliates. Was she one of those super affiliates like Rosalind Gardner? It wasn't Rosalind Gardner, but it was what I would call a super affiliate. Are there a lot of super affiliates out there still? I consider myself a super affiliate now. You do? Oh, yeah. Can you share how many affiliates you have reselling your products? Well, like my software product, Micro Niche Finder, there are probably three or 4,000 that at least have a link. Google Micro Niche Finder. Google it with quotes, and that'll tell you how many people are promoting it because most people who link through it are affiliates. So give my listeners a tip. If they have a product and they want to pick up affiliates, what would be the best way to do that, to get your product on ClickBank in their affiliate marketplace, and then there are affiliates out there searching for good products to promote to their list? That's one way. I don't think that's the best way. I mean, first off, you've got to produce a product that people actually want. You need something that you can put a good hook around because you don't promote the product, you promote the hook. And basically you want to create a product that people already want. It's something that they're looking for, but nobody else has produced it yet. And once you do that, then the affiliates are automatic. You know, the customers are automatic. You just got to get the word out about it. All right, that's fantastic. So that's a great story. Did you have other super affiliates promote to the tune of a 1,000 books of promotion after her? Yeah, I had one other one that turned out to be almost as good as her. And then, you know, I had other ones that promoted it that would sell a few hundred copies over time. Do you think money-making ideas sells better to women than it does to men? Or what market do you think is a better? I think the money-making ideas that are like the, here's ways to make a little bit of extra money. I think those sell better to women because women are generally the ones that are looking for, they're not looking for a business. They don't want something complicated. They just want to know how to make a little bit of extra money a month. Let's talk about a couple of the ideas. I asked you for some of your best little money-making ideas that you have on your site and in your book. You gave me one example of Debbie McDonald. She took a magazine recycler idea from Emergency Cash Generator. That's one of your products and created a part-time business that makes her an extra $2,450 per month. Right. This is a business. It's a very simple business. Basically, if you go into any doctor's office or vet or anyone that has a waiting room, they generally have magazines. But most of the time, the magazines are very out of date. And this is really where I got the idea from. Is that my vet, I noticed that the magazines there were two years old. So I got this idea that if you could find magazines that were fairly current, then you could sell a service where you go around to these different places that have waiting rooms. And it's not just medical places. It's also like oil change places, any place with a waiting room with you know, a couch and coffee table where they have magazines or where they could have magazines. And you could sell this service for, say, 25 or 30 bucks a month of replenishing their magazines. So Debbie took me up on that in Micro Niche Finder, and I didn't really know for sure if the idea would fly or not. It's basically just an idea that I had. So when you go in, let's say their old, outdated magazines are laying all over the place. You say you're going to replenish their magazines, and that doesn't mean sell them new subscription. How do you replenish them? Here's the beauty of this. Debbie gets all of her magazines for free. She just puts a flyer out in her neighborhood. Anybody who has magazines, put them in a plastic bag on your doorstep, and I'll come by, pick them up, and recycle them. And that's how she gets most of her magazines. Okay, that's a great idea. Most of the time, they're 
maybe a few weeks old, at the most a couple of months old, and then she takes those, and that's the ones she uses to replenish. That's a good idea. You're right, because you go into an office and you're looking at magazines from two and three years old, it's kind of off-putting. It doesn't create a good image for the office. Especially if you go in there quite often, like I get my hair cut once a month. I go in there, and they'll have the same magazine. I can relate, because I just got my hair cut last week, and I remember as I was sitting in the chair, I was looking at one of the magazines sitting there, and it was the same one I saw from like two or three months ago when I got my hair cut. And I did think about that just for a second, that that's the same magazine. What did Debbie charge a business to do that replenishing? What was the deal? 25 bucks per month. Per month. So every month the business is paying her 25 bucks. Last I talked to her, she had 98 customers. And most of them were in the medical field. And look at all the money. The businesses don't have to keep buying new subscriptions. 25 bucks a month, that's nothing. Exactly. They don't have to do that. They don't have to worry about it. She takes care of everything for them. Great idea. I like that. Michael Masters made $672 on Saturday afternoon with his drill and a supply of cheap devices he gets from his local home improvement store. And I bet you could probably guess what this one is. I know. You had something on your website about this. I used to do this myself. I did too. I think I mentioned that after I got out of the restaurant business and I kind of just piddled around, this is one of the things I did. And this is where I met Michael. He showed me how to do this. And basically it's installing peepholes. Because what happens is the builder, when they build a new house, they don't put a peephole in the front door. Because mm -hmm. this is what Michael told me, that they don't know how tall the owner of the house is going to be, so they don't put one in. I think it's probably more just because they save money by not putting it in. If you go into houses or a new neighborhood with new houses, then generally you'll see that the doors do not have peepholes. And it's a fairly easy sale because most of these people that move into these houses came from an apartment or a condo or some place before that had a peephole. So they're mm -hmm. used to having one. They don't realize they don't have one until the first time they go to the front door to answer the door. And then they realize that they don't have one, but they don't go out and get one then. So when you come to the door, offer them one for, you know, 25 30 bucks. it's pretty much an impulse sale. What were you charging when you were doing it? Same thing, 25 bucks, And then I could get the peepholes for less than 5 bucks. So if they blink at the 25 I'd go down to 20 And if they blink at that, I'd go down to 15 I would sell them for 10 bucks. I didn't care. I paid 5 bucks for the thing, and that was my expense. And if I could make $5 in 5 minutes, then I would. And you had your drill in hand? Had my drill in hand. That's right. I'd go right up to the door, and I'd have the drill right there. I'd say, I'm the guy doing the door viewers in the neighborhood. And did you want one? You would even sell them to homes with windows on the side, right? Yes. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, there's another peephole now. It's called Door Viewer. Things are huge. They have this image in them that it almost looks like you're looking at a TV. They're great because you can see those from a distance back. You know, you can be 10, 15 foot back and see who's at the front door. I think there's a franchise out there that does nothing but those fancy door viewers. Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen that. There is some kind of franchise opportunity selling that business opportunity, putting in those big door viewers. I could go out and make a hundred bucks in a few hours doing door viewers. I loved it. Yeah, anybody can do that, and you can do that now. You know, it's just a matter of having the guts to go up to somebody's door and knock on it. Yep, and here's your sales pitch. I'm the guy doing the door viewers in the neighborhood. Did you want one or two? I would sell two of them sometimes. I could sell one high and one low for the yeah. kids. Yeah, that's right. Did you ever do that? I didn't think to do that, but you're absolutely right. And then I would also paint address numbers on curbs as well. 
So you could do both things at once. Yeah, I've never done it before, but there's someone here in my side of town that does that, and they must do quite well at it because I see the flyers out about every three months. I just got a great flyer on my home, and I actually scanned it. And I don't know if I linked it up to one of my recordings, but I will. But it was just done so well. And, you know, when I was doing address numbers and door viewers, I mean, we were doing it the hard way, knocking on doors. But this guy would just distribute flyers, and only the people who wanted them, he'd say, go tape it to the front of your mailbox, and he'd just go drive around and see which ones wanted it. Yeah, there's a franchise that does that where you actually you take the flyer they give you and you turn it around. I think you write your address on the back of it and stick it to the window. I think it's called Address America. Oh, really? That's a franchise? Yes. Yeah, that's possible. Maybe that guy was from a franchise. I want to get to some more money-making ideas, but first I want to go back to you. After you started marketing your money-making book and you had some super affiliates and affiliates selling thousands of these things, what did you do next? How did you grow your online business from there? I came out with another book that was similar, and that was actually The Emergency Cash Generators. That was a spinoff of the underground business ideas. What headline, what title do you think people responded to more? Emergency cash generators or what was your other title? Underground. Have you tested both of those? Where is more response? I didn't really test them because generally the customers for one were also prospects for the other one. Okay. So emergency cash generators, it wasn't really anything different, just kind of a different spin on it. Well, in the original underground business ideas book, I had one section called quick cash generators. And that section, I pulled that section out of underground business ideas, and that become emergency cash generators. I just expanded on it. I took that section that I took out of underground business ideas and actually put a couple other sections in there to make up for it. And then I you know, basically just split that product into two. Okay, and then so you offered Volume 2, basically, another product. Another product. It wasn't called Volume 2, but it was just a different title. Yeah, in essence, but you offered something else to your list. Right. And how did that go? You know, like I said, that product still sells several copies a day after five years. Did you have affiliates promoting that one like the first one? Yeah, they really picked up on this one. Man, this became a much better seller than their first one. And how'd you price it? Thirty-nine ninety-nine. Okay, so your underground money making when you first started was at fourteen bucks, right? Well, it was fourteen ninety-nine when I promoted it to my little list. I raised the price up to thirty-nine ninety-nine once I started trying to get affiliates because I knew affiliates would want. Okay, so when that affiliate, when the lady wanted to market it to her list of women, was it at thirty-nine bucks or thirty-nine dollars? Yeah. I see. Have you found a magic price for a digital book that works better than another price through your experience? It really depends on the list. Well, I've got several lists for different things. I've got a list for eBay products, got a list for money-making opportunity type products. I've got another list for internet marketing type products. I've got several lists, but it seems like all of my lists respond really well to a very cheap offer, like $9.99. $9.99 seems to be the sweet spot for selling stuff, especially if you offer it using PayPal, because then it's almost like it's play money. You know, just everybody got 10 bucks in their PayPal account. So at that price point, I will sell a ton of stuff. Do you get returns? Do you have a guarantee with it? Oh, yeah, I guarantee all my products. You know, ClickBank only allows you to guarantee stuff for 60 days, so that's what I do with ClickBank stuff. Okay, so when it's with ClickBank, they take care of the refunds automatically. You don't have to mess with it. Well, a lot of times the customer will email me, and then I just go in and just forward the invoice to ClickBank. I see. Now, what about with PayPal? So you're handling all the refunds in the customer service. Yeah, if it's a cheap product, if it's product of like $9.99, I don't say that I will accept a refund. I will, but products <laughs> like that, people just don't generally ask for a refund. Right, okay. 
So you're not getting bogged down with a low-end price product with customer service? Oh, no. No, not at all. Not at all. The biggest problem I have with doing any type of PayPal product is even if you provide the forwarding link where, you know, they pay for the product and then they, they get forwarded to a page where they can download the product, generally... I don't know if it's PayPal screwing up or if it's the customer or what, but I get a certain percentage that just don't get the download. Yeah, they never get the download. No, you got to handle those manually. All right, great. Let's go back to another story. How I make an extra two to 400 a month in residual income selling specialty e-books. Well, I guess we're talking about that, right? Actually, no. This is completely different. Okay, tell me. Specialty e-books, what's that? This is stuff like bird watching, how to attract hummingbirds to your backyard. The Beginner's Guide to Learning Chinese, gardening type stuff. These are real micro-niche stuff, and it's all private label rights stuff, too. It's all stuff I got from just buying private label rights. This is the type of stuff that I sell on the Kindle platform. Now, do you know what a Kindle is? Kindle is that books thing sold by Amazon where you can read a digital book. Exactly. Okay, tell me about that. Well, anyone can publish products to sell on the Kindle format. You can sign up on Amazon, you know, just Google it. Kindle Publishing. And that's free to do? It's free to do, yeah. Just sign up, and the same day, the same hour, you can become a publisher. Wow. So I just started putting up a bunch of private label rights stuff. And you can sell it? Oh, yeah. You set your own price? Set your price, and Amazon generously gives you 35%. Really? Yeah, and a lot of people bitch and gripe about that, that Amazon keeps 65%. But you know what? I mean, Amazon does all the work. Do your titles show up in the Amazon searches? They show up in the Kindle. Only in the Kindle. Right. But they'll show up in Google, too. So if you do a search for, let's say you get a book out there on how to attract hummingbirds, and someone searches for that exact title, well, depending on how many other entries or how much competition you have, that could show up on the first page of Google. Google is going to index it fairly quickly. do you a whole lot of good, unless you own a Kindle, for that to come up in a Google search. Because it's going to take you directly to the book you know, on the Amazon website in their Kindle store. So if you don't own a Kindle, it doesn't do you any good. I see. So this money you're making is specifically from your Kindle sales? Yes. This month, I should do over $500. In profit, this not sales, it's profit. Do you have upsells you know, at the end of your digital books and stuff? Not yet. But that's the next step. That is a great little money-making idea. And Kindle's probably dying for new content, so... Oh, yeah, they are. And actually, I don't know if they did this or if they made a deal with Apple, but they have just released the Apple iPhone app, what basically allows iPhone users to read the Kindle format e-books. Oh, wow, that's great. So now they can buy the e-books. And the Kindle app for the iPhone is free. I could take all my transcripts, all the digital transcripts, and start uploading and submitting those to Kindle. Oh, yeah, you sure can. Very good. Do they give you a good amount to write a description in there? Yeah, it's quite a bit. That's probably a 1,000 characters. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, so how many different specialty books have you uploaded to the Kindle platform? I've uploaded quite a few. A couple hundred? I'd say probably 300. But of those 300, there's only about 40 of them that actually sell. I learned early on that the stuff that doesn't sell, think about the average user of a Kindle. Now, I've already kind of figured this out, but let me give you the profile of the Kindle user. It's a married woman between the ages of 25 and 60 who watches Oprah. That's the average Kindle user. Now, that might change now that the iPhone has the Kindle format, too. But I came up with that profile from looking at the types of products they're buying. What were some things that were selling? I've got a list right here. I'll try to pull it up here in a second, but I'll tell you the things that don't sell well. And this is even more important. The things that don't sell well are Internet marketing stuff, how to sell on eBay, 
and business ideas. I'm sort of the business ideas guy, and so that's the type of stuff I was putting out there to start with, and that stuff just doesn't sell well at all. Really? The types of stuff that sells is like craft type stuff. Like there's one book I've got that's about how to do Irish crochet. I've sold several of those cooking type books, very niche cooking, not stuff like 101 recipes, but 101 chicken recipes or 101 ways to make chili or 101 10-minute meals. That will sell. Cooking stuff in general sells pretty well. That's good. Very interesting. The eBay strategy that produces the most profits with the least amount of work. Are you on eBay now? Oh, yeah. Have you seen eBay change over the last year or two? Oh, it's changed a lot. It's going down, isn't it? I think it's going down. I think they screwed the pooch. Yeah. It's disappointing. I mean, what the hell did they do? I just think they were clueless to begin with. eBay's business is really search because they've got probably one of the top five search engines on the Internet. One time they probably had more searchers than Google. I think by not embracing that, they really screwed it. They still have the auction format, but they're going away from that. They're going away from the auction format? Oh, yeah. That's what they eventually are going to do is go completely away from the auction format. At least that's what I hear from the people who are the real eBay gurus. Yeah, they're going to go away from the auction format completely, and that's their niche. You know, basically, they're trying to become Amazon, and we've already got an Amazon. We don't need another one. But, yeah, I mean, you can still make money on eBay, and I still do. The thing with eBay is people try to sell stuff that doesn't sell. They want to sell stuff that they think will sell on eBay. Now, what you need to do is find something that sells well and sell it. I mean, it's very simple. Let me give you an example of something that sells really well. DVDs of TV shows. Like, a friend of mine had a bunch of Dean Martin celebrity roasts, and he was selling those things like hotcakes. Yeah, because Time Life or whoever's running those big 30-minute shows on them. Yeah, they are, and that was when he started selling them. It was probably Christmas last year when they started doing that. Well, how did he get a hold of all of them? That's what I'm getting around to telling you. What you need to do is come up with a list of things, and I'll give you a couple. You know, that's one of them is the DVDs of old TV shows. Also, DVDs of HBO or Showtime or, you know, Cinemax, whatever, series like Sopranos. Sopranos yeah. is a really good but anything like that will sell really well. Make you a list of things that sell well on eBay. You're going to have to do some research. You go on eBay, go into different categories, and look to see types of things that sell well. Look at the completed auctions. Look at the completed auctions. Another thing that sells really well on eBay, diabetic test strips. You know why it sells? People have these things. The insurance companies pay for them. The drug companies put them on auto ship. So they send them ever how many boxes their insurance will pay for each month, and people don't use half of what they get. So these boxes of test strips just stack up in the house, and these things are expensive. So anyway, you make you a list of stuff that sells well on eBay, and then go around the yard sales on Saturday with your list, and the people who are having the yard sale are looking to sell stuff. They're looking to make money. Show them your list of stuff. You say, do you have any of these things? People who have diabetic test strips don't try to sell them at yard sales. They don't even realize that they'll sell. So you have this list of 60, 70 different items that you know for a fact sell well on eBay. You go to people who you know are trying to make some money, show them your list, and there you go. There's your inventory. For more exclusive interviews on business, marketing, advertising, and copywriting, go to Michael Senoff's Hard to find seminars dot com. Have you done this personally? 
I haven't done this personally. But you know someone who does it. Someone who does it. That's so funny. You know, I was doing an interview with my copywriter, and his wife was looking for some part-time money-making things, and we went on to eBay, and we were looking for hot products, and I was looking at those diabetic test strips. I mean, I saw what they were selling for, and I was searching for them up on Craigslist. You know, I was even looking at some of the suppliers, but you're right. That is a hot product. There's so many people who have diabetes, and that stuff sells. Oh, here's another thing, too. There's a certain type of diabetes that pregnant women get. A friend of mine, when she got pregnant, she got this. Yeah, my wife was borderline on that. And so she had to test her blood sugar several times a day. She had a diabetic test rate. And then once she had the baby, she no longer needed them. So that's another supply of them. So that's another reason why people would have these. Very good idea. I could see maybe placing an ad, you know, like we buy gold, we buy diabetes test strips. Well, actually, and that's sort of the idea I was getting at with making an extra $500,000 piddling around in your neighborhood. That's placing flyers for the same types of things. Do you have this? Give me a call. Okay, good idea. So the idea is to find the stuff very inexpensively and then post it up on eBay. Yes. Don't even have to use eBay for like the DVDs. I would do those on Amazon. Amazon auction place? Yeah, because it's much easier to list. Why is it easier to list on Amazon than eBay? Amazon, all you got to do is type in the ISBN number and then just do a short description that basically tells the condition of the item. Oh, I see. You know, Amazon has all the descriptive information for you know the Sopranos uh, DVD set. It, it comes out as an auction or a used product. It comes out as a used product. And you've seen that. We do a search on Amazon, and it'll say 12 new and used from these sources. You click that and you become a seller. Good idea. Once again, that's free to do. Free to sign up to be a seller through Amazon. If you sell it, don't you pay Amazon a percentage now? Yeah, but you don't have to pay any listing fee. So it's more affordable to sell stuff on Amazon. You know, I haven't run the numbers on it. I think you might pay a little bit more with Amazon. It's just so much easier. All right. How did Scott Foster make $1,472.43 using a sneaky but perfectly legal technique that took about 10 minutes and required no other effort on his part? Yeah, this is the first time I've ever revealed this publicly. I almost regret doing it. This is so cool. Who's Scott Foster? Okay, Scott Foster, he's one of my affiliates. I also sell his product. He's the owner of Need an Article. I think it's www.need-a-article.com or .net. It's a freelance type site. You can hire writers to write your articles. So, you know, that's where he comes from. But anyway, he's a buddy of mine, and we get together about once a year anyway, and we talk on the phone at least once a week. We do different projects together. He called me up one day, and I was sharing with him this little idea that I had that had generated some money for me. The idea is that you know how ClickBank works with the affiliate IDs. You have the link with the merchant ID and then the affiliate ID. Well, when you have a product that you sell on ClickBank, a lot of times you'll have an affiliate page that gives the details of your affiliate program. And if you want to see one, go to mine at micronichefinder.com slash affiliates. And generally the person that put up the page will tell you that the product pays 50% commission and, you know, here's the link that you would use to promote it. And the link might say something like, I'm not looking at it right now, but it might have a thing in there that says your ID. Or in ClickBank's case, ClickBank uses the terminology nickname. Okay, yes. It might say your nickname. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to replace the word your nickname with your actual ClickBank ID, okay? Well, what happens is sometimes affiliates just don't understand the process. They're new or they forget. And so they copy that URL and they send a promotion out to a list or they put it on their web page and it's still got that what I call a placeholder in there. And so what you do is you register the names of the placeholders. Oh, what would the placeholder be called? 
Well, uh, placeholder is just whatever the person who has the product has put in there. A lot of times they'll use the terminology your ID or your CV ID. That's the placeholder. That's where you put your ID. So my ID is, say, J.J. Jones. I would put J.J. Jones instead of your ID. So what happens is a lot of affiliates just forget to do that, or they don't know enough to do that. And they put a link on their website, and it still has that placeholder. I see. So what you do is you register on ClickBank the name of the placeholder. So I registered one, and it generates now maybe 20 30 bucks a month. I've got a couple of people in there that bought a product that they pay monthly for. So every month... I'm guaranteed at least those two sales. Well, I was telling Scott about this idea, and we were on the phone, and we were from the ClickBank site, and we were trying different IDs, and most of them we tried, somebody else had already got them. Then Scott hits on one, and he said, hey, is this a good one? He gave me the ID, and I said, that sounds like a pretty good one. So he registered that ID. Well, a couple of months go by, Scott gives me a call. He goes, I just got a check for 1300 dollars from ClickBank. He said, I couldn't figure out at first where it came from, and then I saw the ID on the check, said, that was the ID we registered that night when we were playing around. Oh, my God. Well, that's been a few months ago. Talked to him this past week. He said he got another check for, I think he said it was like 70 some dollars for that ID. Now, that is literally money from nothing because you spent 10 minutes looking up or just trying to find an ID. Have you spent some time looking for some other place? When I was sending an email about this idea, I went to ClickBank just fooling around just to see, because I had an idea about another one, and that one was already taken, but in the process, I figured out a different one and able to register. I'm at ClickBank right now. I'm going to find them by clicking on the buy products. Like looking at different products, like let's say I'm looking at business-to-business products and I do like a search and it pulls up some products, like here, daytradingrobot.com, and it's got the guy's promotion. Okay, so I'm looking for his affiliate page, right? Right. There, affiliate makes money. Okay, so he's got this affiliate page. When you promote Day Trading Robot, you can earn money for all our affiliate tools, complete form. Okay, so it asks you for an email. So you sign up like you're interested as an affiliate, right? Yeah, in this case, he's asking you for your email address so he can send you all the information. All the information, yeah. So what you're doing is you're looking for the people who offer an affiliate program, but they haven't done their coding correctly. No. Oh, they've done their coding, but they... I see. They're using it as an example. Exactly. The people who come around and want to be affiliates for them, they don't do it correctly. And they'll think that that's their affiliate. They don't put their affiliate ID in there. And then they'll promote it like they saw on their affiliate page. I got you. Very interesting. Okay, so he got a couple checks, one for 1300 bucks and another one for 70 and that was recently? Yeah, the one for 70 was just this past week. I don't know if he's got other ones in that. He probably has. What you can do is look for the top-selling products. Well, what I did originally was I just kind of tried to figure out what people would use as that placeholder. Because I've seen a couple of sales come in once that was your ID, Y-O-U-R-I-D. And I looked at one of my affiliate pages, and that was what I was using there. And so I quickly changed it to something that I controlled. Well, I would get any of the commission that came in through that, which I strongly suggest you do. If you've got a product in ClickBank you're selling, then you need to register whatever that placeholder is that you're using. So like here, this day trading robot, he's got your link, and he's got HTTP colon forward slash forward slash xxxxxx.robotstock.hop. I have already checked the xxx when that one's gone. Oh, you can't register that one? Somebody else has already got that one. So people are doing this. Yeah. People are doing it, but nobody's talking about it. People are going to say, oh, all the good ones are gone. Never how many affiliates or merchants there are out there selling stuff. That's the number of possible placeholders that you could have. There are tens of thousands. Yeah. How about like Affiliate Junction? I mean, have you checked any of theirs? Do they do it similar? I haven't checked that. The only ones I've checked is ClickBank. It has to be a affiliate network that's what I call an open network. We 
is you don't have to register for every individual product. You only have to register for the network itself. The only way where this will work. I don't, I'm not familiar with, what did you call it? Affiliate, affiliate junction. I'm not familiar with it. All right. Very interesting. That is a great, great idea. How Dick Torish turned a $50 investment into $753.23 profit in just 14 days. Yeah, and what he does is he goes to the mini storage options, and he buys the content in the storage bins. And then he takes the contents, and he sells some of it on eBay. He has a stand at a flea market, and he sells some of it there. He has a once-a-month yard sale, sells a lot of it there. Sometimes he finds gold and silver, which he just is able to flip that, you know, by selling it to someone that buys that stuff. So it's a nice little income stream. And also, it's just, I don't know if you've ever been to one of the storage event auctions, but they're just a lot of fun. It's like going treasure hunting. People need to move, and they put their stuff in the storage sheds, and then they forget they stop paying, and the storage shed has to auction it off and sell it. I met a lady who did that for a living. I interviewed her a long time ago. I don't think I have the interview on the site, but, yeah, there's money there. That's good. How you made $3,667 from your Internet browser. Bookmarks. This is another one about eBay. I have a bunch of sources for where I buy products to resell on eBay. And these particular sources are sources that are all on the Internet. And they're just links. I'll give you one that's a really good one. It's Woot. Spell it. W-O-O-T. www.woot.com. Woot is a deal-a-day type site. But they literally only have one deal a day. Yeah, I've heard about these. Okay. So not all the time, but... Sometimes you can find products on Woot that you can buy and flip on eBay. And you can buy quantities of them. You can buy three. That's the most you can buy. Oh, the most you can buy. I see. You can buy three. But what you can do is you look for the higher price products. Like one time they had that Dyson vacuum cleaner, one that's got the ball. They had an amazing deal on these things. I think they were selling them for like 200 bucks each. And on eBay, you could sell them. They were you go to completed auctions, and they were regularly selling for like 400 bucks. So you could have bought three of those and easily made $600. That's cool. I'm at Woot, and look what they have. They had a Apple 8-gig second-generation iPod Touch, and it is sold out for 169 bucks. Yeah, I mean, they start their deal today at 12 midnight. So it's really good. They sell out pretty quick. Anyway, that's one of sites. I have a list of, I don't know, there's probably 75 or maybe even 100 different places where I would look for stuff to resell on eBay. And these were all bookmarks. So I took these bookmarks, and me and a buddy of mine recorded an audio where we just went through these bookmarks, telling what each site was and what types of products you could find there. And then we offered that product to my list, my eBay list, and we sold tons of those things. So originally started selling at $9.99, and they sold really well, and then we sold them for $14.99, and I think the price we finally ended up at was $39.99, and they would still sell at $39.99. Did you use the audio to promote it, or they got the audio in the list when they bought what they got was they got the audio, they got a transcript of the audio, they got the actual bookmark list, and there was a couple of bonuses we threw in, too. can't remember what they were. But actually, you can see the site. The site's still there. Yeah, what's it called? It's www.secretproductsources.com. It's a really good, what I call, proof website, because all the website is is basically just showing them 
different things that we've sold on eBay and how much money we made. Now, this is good. I have a product called the $31,500 Motherload of Links product, and I interviewed a guy, and we did like four separate one-hour interviews about like the best ebook links, best marketing links, best advertising links, and we just went through each link and discussed what it was, and I sell that product for $97, and they get all four hours, and I've got a good sales letter that converts really well with it, too. You know, and that basically came from a list of bookmarks, right? Very good. I like that. So are you getting some sales on this still? Oh, yeah, still do. Let me tell you, the most profit I ever made from an item on eBay, but once again, this is something added to that list I was telling you about, software. Current software that's still in the box that hasn't been used will sell really well. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the junk that you get for free or pay $5 for, but I found a copy of, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something that was put out by Adobe. Adobe bought Macromedia, which is a company that does Flash. I think it was the Flash Suite included fireworks and Dreamweaver and all that stuff. Basically, like five different products in one. The retail on it was like 600 bucks. I paid $5 at a yard sale and sold it for 300 and some dollars. That's the most profit I've ever made on an item on eBay. That's excellent. James, tell me about this one. One man earns 9000 a day with specialty seminars. Yeah, and this is really neat. This is something that I want to do. Basically, what he does is he goes out and finds private label rights products that are geared toward a certain subject. Like, for instance, let me give you the example he gave me. One particular type of product was article marketing. And you know what article marketing is, right? You put articles in different article directories with links back to your website. I mean, it's a very simplistic way. That's what article marketing is. But there's all kinds of different things you have to do, like you need to write the articles or you need to have software that will take private label rights articles and create unique articles for you. You might want to have a directory submission program, and you you might need to know the directory of the different article directories. And, of course, there's also the training involved. You know, how do you do all this stuff? So he went out and found private label rights products for all these items. He had software product to do the article spinning, another software product to submit the articles to the directories. He had a course on how to do article marketing, a video course. And he had also included a database of like several thousand articles, already written private label rights articles. So what he does then is he places ads in area newspapers, like, for instance, in my area, we have the Penny Saver, and there's another one that's like a freebie-type uh, newspaper. And the ads in them are very, very expensive. You, know, you might pay 10 bucks for an ad. They're classified like ads. So he advertises a seminar on how to make money on the Internet. And he says, we're going to tell you five specific ways to make money on the Internet. And he gets people to come to this seminar for free. Is that classified or a display? It's a classified ad. He uses pay-per-click, too. So he'll advertise in pay-per-click using the regional settings so that he's specifically targeting the people who are in just a certain area. So the the pay-per-click ads are fairly cheap because there's not a lot of clicks, but they're highly targeted. And then what he does is he rents out a very cheap conference room in a hotel, and he holds a seminar. And he upsells, you know, he gives good information, he tells people how they can make money with article marketing or whatever the subject is. Then he sells them the course and the software and everything else as a package deal. And he sells that for as much as $1,500. Do you know this guy personally? I actually met him through the Warriors Forum. We got to talking on the Warriors Forum and I said, hey, let me do an interview with you. We did an interview about a couple months ago. You know, I said $9,000 doing this, but he said that his best seminar 
And this was a multi-day seminar. It wasn't just one day, but his best one has taken in over $60,000. And he's really able to fill seats through these small papers and pay-per-click. Oh, and he also sends out press releases to the newspapers. And he goes out, say, 100 miles, Target City. So I would imagine that even, like, here in Charlotte, you got 100 miles, probably going to hit 45 or 50 different small papers. The ingenious way one guy makes $750 a month from one website that has only a link and nothing else. Yeah, you know what? I just did this exact same thing last week. I made $250. What's the idea behind it? I'll tell you what this guy did. And I've seen other people do it before, too. I've actually done it before. I'm trying to think of how much I can tell you without revealing, you know, what he told me. It's been a few years ago. All right. He was an affiliate for a major hotel. Mm -hmm. And it was a hotel in Las Vegas. They had their own affiliate program where you could actually sign up. I didn't know hotels have affiliate programs. Affiliate is just about any product or service sold on the internet. Yeah, that's true. You know, just search for whatever the hotel name is or just whatever, and then the word affiliate, and see an affiliate page comes up. All right, he was an affiliate for this hotel, and I don't remember what he said he was making per reservation, but, you know, it was a little bit anyway, and he was getting a lot of traffic. And what he did is he registered a domain name that was very similar to the hotel. Well, this is actually exactly what he did. I can't tell you the name of the hotel, but it was whatever the hotel name is, and he put the word V on the beginning of it, and that's all he did. He didn't have a website, per se. All he did was he redirected the traffic from his website through his affiliate link to their website. That's beautiful. And he was making $750 a month doing that. He eventually sold that website. Now, I did the same thing. I can tell you the exact details on this one because I don't mind doing it. Last week, there was a major product launch, actually a relaunch for Niche Blueprint. A lot of people probably heard about that. Well, it originally was launched in January, and they shut it down after a day and a half because they basically sold out everything that they had wanted to sell at that time. But they told everybody it was going to be out for five days. So they went ahead and relaunched it again, opened it up for the affiliates to promote. Well, back before it was launched, I had heard about it through a joint venture notification system. They didn't have a website at this time, but the product name was Niche Blueprint. And they were trying to get affiliates signed up for it before the product was launched. Well, I went into GoDaddy and started doing some searches on domain names, and I found the domain name Niche Blueprints. I was going to guess with an S. All right. You know, the first time the product was launched, I forgot about that, and it was only a day and a half that it was out there, and I forgot to put my affiliate link in the thing. So you registered it. This time I remembered. I put my affiliate link in it, and I didn't have a website. All I had was just in GoDaddy, there's a way to do a forwarding URL. And in that forwarding URL, I just put my affiliate link. And then when someone goes to nicheblueprints.com, it redirects them through my affiliate link to the real site, nicheblueprints.com. Now, tell the listeners how much it costs to register that name. Well, I've got a special coupon code that I use on GoDaddy. It was $7.95, I think. For the year? For the year. And I made $250. I only made one sale. I've asked you to specifically put together a special offer for my listeners at hardtofindseminars.com, which is exclusive for my listeners here at hardtofindseminars.com that you don't offer to anyone else. And I said, really sharpen your pencil. So what did you come up with for me? Okay, Michael, we talked about 10 different money-making ideas here, and basically most of these 10 ideas come from three of my publications. And so what I'm going to do is I put together a special deal for those three publications. First one is emergency cash generators. 
And that's just a bunch of really quick ideas that anyone can do to earn money quickly. The second one is the Kindle profits exposed. And that one technique of taking private label rights products and putting them on the Kindle format to make money when someone downloads the book into their Kindle. Then the third product is about buying and selling personal property. And that one is called, I can't remember the name of it exactly, but it's about chatteling is the word. Chatteling just basically means buying personal property to resell. And there's a lot of great techniques in there. And that's the one that, if you need money now, that's how you do it. You sell these separately currently. What do they currently sell for? The Kindle Profits Exposed is a video course. It sells for $49.99. The other one, Emergency Cash Generator, sells for $39.99. And the Chatteling book sells for $39.99 as well. So what we've done is I put together a special deal where you can get all three of those products for $67. Honestly, when I first started this interview, I thought it was going to be some of the same old, same old stuff. But, I mean, I have to tell you, these money-making ideas, these are really unique ideas. And I was just talking to my assistant, and she was doing the editing on the first part, and we were talking about the Kindle idea. And I go, Diane, put that on your project because we need to check that out. You know, like I said before, I'm up to well over $400 in profits for this month in Kindle. That's this month. Then it's, what, the 23rd of March, and I'm not doing anything. I mean, those are books that I've had in there for months and months and months. You know, it's been work to get them in there originally, but once they're there, then you don't have to do it. $67. At the end of this recording, you'll have a URL that anyone who's interested in taking James up on this offer, and I would encourage you to do so. You'll go to the URL, and you'll be directed to more description and a page to order that. James, I really appreciate you taking the time doing this interview. I mean, these really have been some great fast cash ideas that anyone listening to this, whether they get your extended version of all your fast cash ideas, could really benefit from, and I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you, Michael. I really love talking about these ideas, and I hope your listeners got a lot out of this. I think they'll be real happy with it. Well, thank you very much. That's the end of my interview with the Money Making Expert. For more information, go to moneymakingexpertoffer.com. That's MoneyMakingExpertOffer.com. For more interviews like this, go to HardToFindSeminars.com.